Hi, this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That is true, you know. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Uh, today's interview, in fact, will be featured next month. Yes, it will. The video version of it. Looking forward to that. You can find it at authormagazine.org. And, of course, we're funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They have been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Whether you live in the Northwest or anywhere on the globe, you can benefit from being a member, benefit from their classes, their yearly conference, their writing competition. Great group of people. They do good work. And uh, I encourage you to check them out at pnwa.org. And uh, speaking of classes and teaching, I will be teaching Fearless Writing and Fearless Marketing online for Writers Digest Universities. So this will be through Zoom, and that'll be in June. So uh, each class, well, I think they're two weeks apart. Uh, they're on Thursday afternoons, I think. Anyway, check it out on my website if you want. Are you interested in that? WilliamKenauer.com. What a delight, boy. What oh. Nancy Slonum Aroni, what a fascinating woman. We had a conversation about storytelling, writing, memoir. She is a fantastic storyteller. She told some great ones in this. I uh, can't wait to share it with you. And it was just a delight, just a delight. And she's got a new book out called Memoir is Medicine. Uh, she is um, the author of Writing from the Heart. And she has been a regular contributor to National Public Radio's All Things Considered. She was recognized for excellence in teaching all three years she taught at Harvard University for Robert Coles. And uh, she has joined with physicians and writers from Columbia University's program in narrative medicine to lead workshops using her writing from the heart method. And uh, well, like I said, she's got a new book out about memoir and medicine, and we had a fabulous conversation. And I am so glad I get to share that with you now. Enjoy. Nancy, Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, so you got a new book out here for my YouTube viewers. There it is. Yeah, 20 Memoir. years after the first one. Beg your pardon? <laughs> 20 years after the yeah, first Well, you didn't want to rush it. You know, you wanted to get it right. <laughs> I wanted to learn some stuff. Beg your pardon? I wanted to learn some stuff first. Well, you did. You learned some stuff, years. didn't you? Yeah. I did. So it's Memoirs Medicine. Let's get the full title. The Healing Power of Writing Your Messy and Perfect, Unruly, but Gorgeously Yours Life Story. And, um, I, you know, as soon as I saw the title, I knew I wanted to interview you. I have to teach memoir. I write it. I totally agree. Memoir is great medicine. Uh, I didn't even read the book to know I agreed, but I, I happened to agree with that statement. But you let's talk about you a little bit. This book was a long time in the making in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, your relationship to writing goes back a long way. Were you as a young person interested in it? Oh, I, I, in our household, we weren't allowed to buy Hallmark cards. We had to make our cards and write something. Oh. And I remember I was seven and I made my mother's birthday card and I have a sister named Margie. And I have no brother. And I wrote, happy birthday to mom, to mom, from Margie and Nancy and Tom and Tom. <laughs> and my mother looked at it 
And she said, oh, honey, this is wonderful, but um, who's Tom? And I remember rolling my eyes and saying, oh, it rhymes with mom. <laughs> now, she had the opportunity to nip the little writer in the bud, but she went, oh, of course, like how stupid of me. So that's validation at age seven right away. Wow. So I, I love it. You know yeah. what I like about that story is you were a true writer. You weren't going to let facts get in the way of a good story, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I was going to get a brother named Tom somehow. Somehow. You know, I thought about It's true, though. Actually, when I teach people memoir, I'm like, look, try to get the facts right if you can, if you can remember. But don't worry about it. Like, like this isn't journalism. Yeah. We're looking for a different kind of truth in a way. Does that make, does that resonate Absolutely. with you? Absolutely. It's how you felt, not, not what color you were wearing. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Well, they won't right. know. Or they'll know. They'll never know. That's right. So, okay. So, um, so you, right away, you're kind of interested in it. Um, you have a kind of profound experience with a very famous spiritual teacher, uh, Ram Das, of all yep. people. And how old were you when you, you met him and started studying with him? Old, old, old. I read Be Here Now in 1977. Okay. It changed my life. I remember thinking, wait a minute, there's a now? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. does that mean? Oh, and you can be in it? Uh, everything changed. I, it dropped wow. me, well, smoking pot at the same time. Right. And well, Ron yeah. they yeah. go together. Yeah. I just dropped out of my head into my heart. And it was the first time I lived from here. And everything changed. I just started wow. falling in love with trees and humans and animals. And I stopped judging, not really, but I but you, attempted. Well, you know what it's like, I would say, is is you understood there was a practice to begin that involved that's not judging. It, right? That's and it. Just knowing that that's the practice is a big difference. You have to be perfect, but knowing that that's the goal. Yes, right? exactly. So how old was I in 77? I was born in 41. So 41, 51, 61, 71. So yeah, so you're in your thirties. Okay. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, and were you writing before then? Yeah, I, I was writing. Um, yeah. What kind of stuff were you writing? So the personal essay I, I had, uh, I think the first thing, not, I think I know the first thing I wrote and got published was I started running and it was the first discipline I had ever had. I had never done oh. anything hard. I always dropped anything that was going to be a challenge. So <laughs> running, it was really the first time I pushed myself and I had my husband's a cheerleader. He just, I would call him on the phone and go, I ran, there were trees uh, uh, at the American school for the deaf. So I would run to the American school for the deaf and add a tree every day. And I'd call him and say, further, you mean? Yep, yep. I said, I made it to the fourth tree. And he went, you're unbelievable. So then, of course, <laughs> the next day, I make it to the fifth tree. Wow. And then I started running in the woods. And it was really the first time I had ever connected with nature. That was the other thing. I had never been outdoors. I grew up with Eastern European Jewish grandparents who right. said, you know, don't go out. You don't know the Nazis are in the backyard. Oh, don't go out. You don't know. <laughs> right. you know yeah. Don't touch that. So right. nature was absolutely a foreign. And then I, I made friends and fell in love. And you wrote about that. And so this was the first. That was the first thing. And I submitted it. I'm dripping. That's okay. Allergies. I have no, well, who knows? I could test myself again. Yeah. I, um, I submitted it to the local paper and to the big city paper at the same time. Cause I didn't know. Right. And the local paper called me and they said, we're using it. And I said, yay. And then the city paper called and they said, we've put a, um, uh, an art piece with it. It's coming out Thursday. And I went, 
Oh, um, wow. Actually, I know it was very big no-no. So they yelled at me and did <sighs> not put it in. But oh. it, it was sort of the beginning of my realizing that, okay, if you write the truth, because in the, in the piece, I basically admitted that I had done nothing. And this was the first time at that late age, late stage, right. that I was actually finding out that you could push yourself and have, a, a, you know, just a success, that yep. kind of a success and feel unbelievably high about working hard. And I had never been a hard worker. That's so. so interesting. I was a runner too. I mean, I ran like competitively in high school and stuff. And so I, and I just, so I was, and there is a, I didn't even understand what I was teaching myself when I would run the hurdles again and again and again, go up the hill again and again and again, wow. and again. you know, just, but I didn't, I was too young to know what I was learning, but um, well, that's fascinating. So you wrote about that and, you know, so you wrote a personal essay, what I would call a personal essay. And, mm -hmm. you know, the personal essay, I mean, it's a little different than memoir, but not much. I mean, I think of memoir as one I mean, it's all semantics, but one long coherent story. Mm -hmm. But the personal essay to me is sort of like what the short story is to the novel. I think the, the essay is to the memoir. Does that? That's good. Although the, although the memoir could have like a series of yeah. personal essays because yeah. you get to see, you know, the growth. You get to see, you get to know the human being. Although yeah. you're right, there's no arc. There's, you're not going to find out any changes. I don't, well. You know, the thing is, the main thing is that when you're writing a story, I just think the, the issue is, are you a character, does a character with your name exist in that story? Like you have, it's about something that you remember doing and you've yeah. got someone with your name on it. And that to me has its own unique challenges, telling your story in a way that's honest and not, and not worrying about what people will think of that person named Nancy. Yeah, right? you, can't, you can't worry. But a lot of people do. I suspect when you're teaching... That's one of the things you have to help you. Well, it's one of the things you talk about in this book, as a matter of fact. You know, um, I started filming, Dan, I suppose this is jumping ahead a bit, but it, it segues nicely. Um, my, my kid oh, was My name sick. is Bill, by the way. We'll... Instead of segue? It's Bill. <laughs> I know. What did I say? You said Dan. No, I'm talking about Dan, my son. Oh, God. And Dan. When all right, Dan... I'm going to edit all that out. All right, start again. <laughs> no, you can, you can do no, that. No, I, I human beings weird. talking. Okay. So when my son, Dan, was sick, I actually at one point said, let's film this. Let, that way we, we can put a camera between your rage and my terror. Right. I didn't know that. I didn't articulate that. But, I, but in retrospect, I know that now. And he had open heart surgery and he came home and he always had a girlfriend and she was putting him on the bed and I was filming. And I had said to him, is there anything you want me to turn the camera? He said, no, film everything. So he looked like a cadaver. He had just had open heart surgery, just right. come home from the hospital. And she's putting him on the bed, lifting him. And she said, oh my God, the, the urine bag, it's stuck in the wheelchair. Well, I filmed it. And about three weeks later, I got a, a call from a, a guy in Connecticut, my hometown. And he said, we want you to come back to Hartford. We want you to get on the stage, tell your funny stories. I said, no, 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 I'm not funny. I'm sobbing every minute. I'm not coming to Hartford. Right. And then I thought, wait a minute, I have 50 hours already that I have filmed of Dan. Wow. Wow. If I go to Hartford and he's in his wheelchair and we show, even if we show 20 minutes, this will be, he'll know what he's going through is not for naught. He'll get a standing ovation. I'm doing this. So I had just had someone in my workshop who had graduated from film school. So I called her on the phone and I said, if I give you a bunch of tapes, would you be willing to give me about 20 minutes? It doesn't have to be connected. Right. She said, sure. So 
she ended up giving it back to me. It was beautiful, way more beautiful than I had anticipated. And she had taken out the scene where Sarah said, oh my God, the urine bag. So when I do my workshop, I say, I tell the story and I say to the people, why do you think she took out, oh my God, the urine bag? And of course, everyone says, well, it's embarrassing. It's uncomfortable. That's the fucking story. <laughs> that's right. Don't leave out the urine bag. That's exactly. what made it. So anyway, yeah. that's. You know, no, it's so true. So before this book, you were teaching writing of a kind. You were writing, I want to make, it's writing from the heart of. Yes. My, yes. Okay. Exactly. So you were leading these workshops. Uh, yeah. And for a long time. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. Before you were born. You don't know that. No, no. I assure you that is not the case. <laughs> but thank you. That's very sweet of you. Uh, but you um, did your writing change when you read Be Here Now? My life changed. But did your writing change I, also? I think, no, I don't think so. I think I no. was always pretty. I always had a good time with words and I think I was, I had no boundaries. So I never really thought, Oh, I shouldn't say it didn't that. change your subject matter. It didn't change your angle on things. Oh, a little bit. God was definitely in, in, in every paragraph. Okay. So that, yeah, that my heart, my heart was in the work. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. 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 Uh, can't see how it would, I, you know, what I always say I love about writing is I do think you can't write and be absent. Like you, I think you have to be present with yourself in order to write, like, because yeah, I agree. Right. And like, that's why it's, we love it so much. A lot of writers don't realize they're loving it just because they're present for the first time, maybe, you know, <laughs> that day or ever. Right. right. Yeah. A very good point. So, all right, you're writing for So talk to us about that. What is that when you taught writing for the fart, first of all, how'd you get the idea for it? And then what was it like when you were teaching it? Well, I, I had always written, as I said, and I had uh, some things uh, published. I um, I got an obscene phone call. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> no, but, not really. <laughs> but but this was just, uh, I had a very unique experience. The guy uh, called and I was cooking and the oil was bubbling and the kids were running through the house and the dog was yipping and I couldn't hear him. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Can you repeat that? <laughs> and he did, but I still couldn't hear him. And I said, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to take it in the den, which I did take it in the den. So <laughs> I went into the den and I yelled to the kids, hang up the phone. And then I said, I'm so sorry. So what did you say? And he said, can I suck your tit, baby? Oh, well, <laughs> he was so, no I love that he was willing to repeat it again and again. I know. There was no way that I was going to hang up. I had invested way too much time with this right. guy. So I said, do you have any idea what this kind of phone call does to a person? And there was this long pause and he said, uh, I know he was thinking I'm supposed to do the talking way. Right, right, right. He said, uh, no, I thought girls like that. And I said, right. you know what? There probably are some, but you have to find them. I said, so I have a question. Do you know me? Right. And he said, no. And I said, thank you. That's because it's very scary. You have no idea. I'm shaking here. Wow. And I said, you don't want to do this anymore. This is not a nice thing to do. And you sound like a nice person. And he said, well, I, 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 I'm sorry. And I said, great that you apologize. So we're going to hang up now. And he said, it was a big expression in the 70s. He goes, okay, later. No later. I hung up the phone. And at dinner, I was just very proud of myself. That, that I was great. God, you handled it perfectly. Phone. I didn't bash the phone down. I didn't, I was shaking, but I felt like we had connected as two human beings. I didn't say you're a bad person. I said, don't do this anymore. So, you know, my kids, I'm telling the story and my yeah. kids were like, please pass the butter. 
And the next night at dinner, the phone rang and I, you know, and I said, hello. And he said, hey, how you doing? And I went, oh, actually we're having dinner. He said, oh, oh okay, I'll, I'll call you back. And he called me back okay. and I said, so where do you work? And he said, I work at Goodrich Tire. And I said, do you like your job? And he said, no, I hate my job. I said, well, you got to look for another one. He said, well, I'm thinking of going up to Vermont to work on my uncle's chicken farm. I said, that sounds great. You'll be outdoors. You'll be with a family relative. He said, no, I hate my uncle. I said, no, then that's not a good idea. Oh, the guy called me about once every four days and my kids, my kids would answer the phone. Mom, it's your obscene phone call. Bye. <laughs> I knew that I had to write it because I, every time I told the girlfriend the story, they'd crack up laughing. So I wrote it and NPR had not, um, they didn't have uh, uh, a little commentaries yet. Right. But I don't know why I thought it should go on there. And I rented a sound studio and I taped it and they aired it that night. Wow. It changed. It was unbelievable. Wow. And then everything I wrote from then on, they started airing. And so I got this call. You asked me how I started the workshop. I know this is long winded, but it's that's it. all right. It's a great story. So, so I get this call from uh, this, this fancy schmancy writer in town. And she says, we would like you to be in our writing group. Well, I knew them all. They were all published. Right. I hung up the phone and went screaming through the house. Oh, my God, I have to lose 17 pounds by Wednesday. Right. That is a ridiculous thing. You do not have to be thin nope. to be a writer. And I am thin, which is really sick. <laughs> and then, oh, my God, what should I wear? What should I wear? What does a writer wear? Black. So I wore black like you. And I got there and there were about 14 women and they had been meeting for years. Okay. And the first woman who was a pre-designated reader, they had told her to bring something. She reads her piece. It's stunning. Okay. And the first person who responded sounded like this. You know, Harriet, I felt that your characters were really rather one-dimensional. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I couldn't relate to them. And then one by one, everybody in that circle picked it apart. Something that was wrong. Yeah. And they were wrong. And the piece was beautiful. And then there was um, Peach Cobbler, a whole table of delicious desserts. And I went to the University of Virginia and they always had peach cobbler and I loved it. And so I glommed and put on a false kind of smile and socialized a little bit. And I got home and my husband greets me and he goes, so how was it? And I said, oh, mean spirited. Oh, yeah. these people, not only are they mean, but they're wrong. He said, yeah. you're going back. I said, yeah, they're my mentors. These are the, these are the big writers. Next week, another pre-designated reader. She reads her piece. It's gorgeous. And the same thing, the first person who spoke, she must have gone to the same surgeon to have her. <laughs> right. She said, you know, Becky, I really have to admire your perseverance. I mean, you just don't quit, do you, dear? She said, I went out to the car and wrote that. At the end of the evening, I wrote down what she said because I could not believe it. And then there was uh, this blueberry thing. It was unbelievable. The little wild Maine blueberry. Yeah. So I, I glommed and I socialized and I was very nice even though I wanted to get out of there and I got home with blue teeth and yep. my husband said so and I went oh, they should have nothing to do with writing they should do a cookbook that's what these people should do <laughs> he said you're going back I said yeah I'm reading next he said and you're not scared I said no they're not going to do it to the new person oh my god of course they're going to do it to the new person 
They did that's what they do. And that's what they do. And I, I, this is what I did. I don't know if you can see this, but I. So she's got her pen. She's got her pen and she's writing. Like yeah. I took notes like, oh, right. right. Thank you. Right. Oh, I haven't realized. Right. Oh, my right. dear. Wrote everything down, they said. And then uh, there was apple crisp. <laughs> you know my priorities already. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I knew I had to get out of there because the tears were right there. Right. And I, um, I put the apple crisp in a paper plate. I don't like eating in a paper plate. And I don't like eating with a plastic spoon. But I did it. And I left. And I got into the car. And I took a bite. And I could not swallow. And I did not wow. for two years. Not two days. Two years? Two years. Nothing. Holy. Nothing. Every time I sat down to write, and I knew they were wrong, I was like, oh. And I knew I had given my power to the wrong people. And I think it's very universal to do that. Wow. And I just got so mad. So the way I got back to it was that uh, we were listening to the radio and NPR called me and they said, do you have any more stuff? And that, that got me back. Right. Yeah. Wow. And that, and, and that experience said, we're going to, I got to lead a workshop. A well, way. you know what I did? I, we, we had a very successful business for a while and we made money for about eight years. Joel says 12, I say eight. And so I was rich. I was playing tennis in little tennis whites and I was driving a very nice car. Right. And then we lost everything. And it was oh. too late to get a teaching job. And I don't know what possessed me, but I think we have a wise person in there, in here. Yeah. And every so often she speaks up and she said, how about a writing? I had never even heard the word workshop. I'm not kidding. I had never. Wow. Wow. Well, this was a long time ago. I put a little ad in my local paper, writing workshop in my home. I got 12 people and they, I knew them all kind of. And they came. And guess what happened? The same mean spirited started, started. They right. all were criticizing each other. And what I saw was shoulders went up, faces got constricted, yep. and the yep. writing got generic. So I it, we did 10 Tuesday nights. I knew I had failed and I was very sad and it ended. And I said, well, I'm never doing that again. I had taught college English and I had taught high That's school. Different, English, but it was different. Totally different, right? Yep. And I was so miserable, but that same little wise woman, she plopped into my head and I said, no, I'm doing it again. I put another ad in. And this time when people called, I said, do you know me? <laughs> they said, no. I said, okay, you're in. I have to reinvent myself. And eight people came. And when they gathered, I said, you know, I've only done this once and I failed miserably, but I learned something. Creativity requires safety you will be safe here amen that rule, yeah. that rule is when you finish reading we will tell you what we loved that's yeah. it that, about product yeah yeah so that's what i do that's, yeah that's you know i i leave writing workshops sometimes but i have strict rules about what we say and how we say it and i and i am in charge and i will cut people off if they start going in a direction yeah, because yep, yep. it's just got to be you know it's like because I, I have a friend who's in a writing group and he was describing it to me as like, you are all writing to please each other. And like, you know, you're, you're all your voices are going to start sounding the same because there's an anesthetic is going to develop and you want those people's praise. It's what's the point? What's the point? Oh, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I start out by telling them the whole story and they laugh about the apple crisp and everything else. And then I say, 
So this rule only, you know, this is not, we're not doing a book. Right. We're just writing from straight from here, from this heart. And we're just pouring out the story and you're taking the chance of saying, this is who I am. This is what happened to me. And you're using your language and you're telling your story. That's yeah. it. So this is about truth and this is about safety. And it works every time. It, see, now I told, I prefaced before we started our interview, I said, I don't plan anything. I kind of, I kind of should have, cause we're running out of time. I still barely got into this great book because you've got so many great stories, but it's memoirs medicine. And just, just, we will touch on it some, but a, I, my main question I, I really wanted to ask you is this, which is, so it talks about the healing power of memoir and how to do it. And she, and it's great. It's got prompts in it. It's got advice, but also includes a lot of your own stories. And so my question to you is, did you go in with that plan or did you just, as you started putting the book together, um, realize, I think I got to put my own stories in is like, how did you come up with that format? I came up with it because I needed more pages. Aha! Necessity, the mother of invention. Okay. <laughs> you know, say I told you I was going to be brutally honest. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like it. But so I, you said- know, but also I know, I, I mean, I didn't even pick that well. I just grabbed stuff because I wanted to use examples of this is dialogue. This is how to show, not tell, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah. Well, I just want to say to people, there's a lot of books out there on memoir. This is another good one. Why I recommend this one is she gives practical advice, if that's something you're after, but also just a lot of good emotional advice, a lot of, um, of advice just about the psychology and the value of the memoir. And so I feel like it goes deeper beyond the how-tos. I'm interested in the how-tos of it myself. I teach it, but I feel like the va- it was the best therapy I've ever had is always me writing about something I did. That's yes. always where I have to let something go, right? Don't we have to let something go in order to tell yes, the story? And you get a new insight when you yes. write. Your yep. wisdom from your belly yep. suddenly surprises you and you have a new way of seeing the thing. That's that's Before right. That, it's marinating and you're walking around thinking, you know, everything and yep. you've got these opinions. When you sit down to write, it's like, oh, oh so yeah. that's what this was about. I always. Yeah, because, you know, I used to write fiction. I don't anymore. I write memoir, personal essay, but it's still about discovery. You know, when I wrote fiction, of course, I had to I didn't know what was going to happen. And I discover, but just as much about discovery. And if I think I know what the story's about that I'm going to tell, I say, don't Bill, you don't. I have to remind myself, don't predict what you think this thing's about find out like that's the fun right yes exactly yeah Bill, so, you're so beautiful oh well so are you nancy see we are kindred spirits kindred True. spirits yeah. uh i you know i so can you can you remember the first time what was it that story about the running where you first realized the sort of personal value in writing about your own life no i had a great teacher i had a great i had always had great english teachers oh nice okay the uh the the and sometimes they would read my stuff out loud in the class after i wrote something the i sat in the front in my journalism class and she would throw a blank piece of paper on my desk and she'd say quick i need a piece on abortion and the law and i would write it and Uh the next week in our school newspaper would be my byline Oh. And then the next week she'd throw a blank piece of paper. Quick, I need a piece. I this this is a low self-esteem story. I think I was like in my 30s when I realized it was because I could write, not because of where my seat was. I had always never thought, occurred to you. Never no, occurred. Thank God I sat right in front of Mrs. Grenfell. That's what I always thought. Wow. 
even though in my gut I knew I could write, but it it came very easily to me, so I didn't value it. Don't yeah, don't you think that see that I find to be true again and again, and it part of the reason it took me so long to to write the kind of stuff I do now, which is where I found my success, was because it came easily. Like that, like that seems so natural to even feel like work, telling stories about my own life. And Aren't you supposed from, to be miserable? Aren't you supposed to be bleeding? Aren't you supposed to be scaling some mountain? Yeah. I love easy. <laughs> I'm a great proponent of easy, you know? We are kindred spirits. Yeah, I believe in it. So, and so, and do you, can you, do you feel like actual healing has occurred for you from memoir? Yes. I mean, yeah. I think healing always starts emotionally. I always think it starts emotionally. That's my belief. And I will go to the mat for that one. But physically, yeah. too, I think stuff changes. Well, you know, writing about my son, Dan, which is mostly what um, a lot of a lot of the book is about. Yeah. Um, I found out that it wasn't all horrible. You know, right. it, it was such a it's 16 years. He was sick and he died uh, 11 right. years ago. And if, if, if you had asked me straight away, what was the experience like? I would have said my heart was broken for 11 years, or right. 16 years. Right. But um, when writing, I remembered that I stood at the end of his bed one night and I said, uh, good night, O King of Kings. And I bowed. Right. Right. And I said, good night, O Lord of Lords. And I bowed. Right. And he said, good night, O Fruit of Loops. <laughs> right. Right. And we, I cracked up and there was a, there were a lot of funny things that he did yeah. that if, if I hadn't sat down and wrote the broken heart, I wouldn't have gotten to the great laughter. Yeah. So it was very healing to remember that there was so much beauty, that this was not, that hard isn't a terrible thing. And that there was so, I mean, you know, he became my teacher and I yeah. probably wouldn't have gotten that if I hadn't written it. Yeah. Although, you know, I kept saying he's, he's, he's my teacher. I'm his, we were, we became equals a couple right. of years before he died. Yeah. You have to allow that the thing you called horrible wasn't horrible all the way through. You know, I had certain times that if I had to categorize them quickly in a nutshell, I'd say, well, it was a rough time, yeah. but even the things that I call rough times, not every single moment, exactly. it's never that way. Right. That's why writing is genius. Yeah. You, you have to go back and isn't it great how you remember stuff? Because I yes. mean, you go back and, and you start, you go in with a little physical detail or something, and then it's, oh, that's right. That's right. That's where you I know, was. It's like, it's like the thing, when the thing is happening, you're closed up like this and you're, and you're just trying to fucking survive. Right. And then years later, it's like an accordion and you can open it up and you can go into the little spaces and say, oh, and then, oh my God. And oh my God, we were laughing so hard over the Caesar salad because right. I didn't put enough anchovies in it. I remember he almost fell out of bed. We were laughing so hard. Right. So those, right. you know, you need a little time and you need a little space and you need to be willing. You need to be willing to hurt. That's right. Absolutely to hurt. You can't skip the pain part. No, no, you can't. Okay. The book is memoir as medicine. Uh, you can buy it. We're all fine books are sold. Now, are you still leading the workshops? You still? Yep. yep. I have one. You want to know when and where? Yeah, so how do people, how would someone find out about them? What's the best way well, to learn? And the the website oh my yeah. god chillmark writingworkshop.com oh, chill and mark. i'm doing one in june and i'm doing one in july and i'm doing one in august and i'm doing two in october one of the octobers is filled but october how, 7th, how long are they four mornings nine to noon people come down on a sunday night and by noon they can go to the beach they can go shopping they can go write their assignments <laughs> by thursday 
We have laughed, we have sobbed, and we have written a lot. All right. It sounds pretty good, doesn't it, people? Yes, it does. So go sign up for it. And, and you're doing well, it in come. person now. Do they are they doing it in person again? In person? Yes, again? yes, in person now. Let's okay. see what happens. All right. All right. Good. Yeah, I, I'm going to conferences for the first time, you know, this fall. So we'll hopefully. Hopefully yeah, yeah, actually happen. All right. So that's good. You all should sign up for it. I think you'd appreciate it. Uh, but I got one more question for you, Nancy. And yes. we've been talking about this, but I, I now you got to boil it down. If writing, all the writing you've done in your short life has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Wow. That's tough, isn't it? Uh, again, I had just said you can't skip the pain part. I think that um, the most important part about all these experiences, you want to just write them and get it out of your body because it's been in your liver and your heart and yeah. your pancreas. But if you don't do the work of sobbing and feeling the broken heart, then you've just written a very detached, probably well-written treatise. But really, you got to slog through the shit. You got to slog through your 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 sorrow. So I'm a big proponent of sorrow. I agree. I agree. It cracks you open, baby. Cracks yeah, you open. Nancy, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Bill, you are just a precious human being. Thank uh, you. I loved every second of it. It went fast, though, right? Isn't it? I know. Well, that means it's a good conversation. Yeah, see? Didn't I tell you that was good? It was. I wouldn't lie to you. Can't avoid the grief. That's, you know, that's when life is showing you you're seeing something a little wrong. Go for it. There's a lesson in it. There's a gift in it. I know you don't want it. We don't want it. Nobody wants it. Something good comes out of it. It's true. Uh, I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. And to all of you out there, you know, listen, Nancy's been at it a while. She's 81 years old. She's still going strong. So, you know, just keep going, baby. Find something you love to do, whatever it is, find it, and then just do it. <laughs>